Jungle juice. Jungle juice. Jungle juice. Hey yo, Blakey, what's good? What's up? What's up, y'all? We jungle juicing today. We actually are pretty wasted, you can't tell. We've been taking shots. <laughs> Out here taking shots. Blakey, what we was taking shots of? Water. <laughs> <laughs> we normally sell some water. Shout out to staying hydrated. But right? so glad y'all tuned in and y'all wanna kick it with us real quick. But definitely we wanna sit here and let you know, please jump into our previous episodes. Wine Cooler episode was the last one, and it was just a laid-back episode where we were talking about just chill stuff, what's going on in, you know, in life, what's going on with our people, what's going on with all these natural disasters. Also, why preserving your edges is super important. Blicky was giving us tips on just stuff to put on them. Cream of nature. Just saying, arrogant oil is key to put on your edges. Moisture. So recap... SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also watch the videos on Periscope. That's the only place where we go live. Um, we were also talking about just music in general that we were like catching up on. At the moment, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some Janae, definitely some trip Janae. Yes. Yeah, she gave us the whole. It's been so much more of that since then. Oh, <laughs> Life's been a trip, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just fun to sit there and do our own musical homework. I think kind of brings us all together. No matter what you look like, we kind of also have those many things in common and music is, is really important yeah. and we also like to talk about other stuff in beauty how you know rihanna came through with the fenty right. that trophy wife. first and foremost you want it to be of incredible quality and you want everybody to have a piece of that so of course i wanted to include everyone i never wanted to exclude everyone i wouldn't say that that was like a marketing plan that's just my passion and i feel like all of my friends and all of my fans should be able to have a piece of the product and all women should be able to have their own shade of foundation. It's that simple. And I just wanted to be creative, have something that was fun and of incredible quality. Finesse. Right. So go catch up on the wine cooler episode. Um, that's pretty much was, you know, something to sip on like a wine cooler. So like, let them know what's good for episode seven. Episode 7 is called Bring Your Own Bottle, B-Y-O-B. It's a link up. Buster, so what you brought here? <laughs> <laughs> this is B-Y-O-B. What you brought? <laughs> a whole lot of wine. Yeah, I should have brought something. I saw, the, I saw the name of the episode. I didn't do it. No, you just got to bring it, though. We just yeah. <laughs> that would have been so messed up. I would have been like, so you came here empty-handed? <laughs> right? So... As you can hear, we have a guest, Mr. Austin Harris, director, writer, performer, actor, multi-talented. What's up? What's up, Austin? We're excited to be here. Oh my God, the whole crowd is so excited to have you here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. See, Bryson's happy. So happy for you to be here. Well many things let's jump into just um letting us know you know a little bit about yourself a little bit about your background stuff like that yeah sure um so yeah i'm austin obviously uh <laughs> i just graduated from nyu last year and i like making films and like you said i like writing and directing and performing um and i so like my last big thing that i did was my junior thesis film at nyu which was called jordan presents and 
uh, I was in it, and basically it was just like this sort of satirical comedy about race. I just wanted to go into, uh, you know, like sort of like what it means to be black, but in a way that's sort of funny and not preachy, because I feel like, you know, people will stop listening if they feel like you're yelling at them or like trying to teach them a lesson as opposed to like just trying to make jokes. But I feel like that's like, that's an area that's really, really right for comedy in so many like awkward situations. Um, so I did that, and then my most recent uh, thing that I'm still working on is my senior thesis, which is a sci-fi movie. We were just talking about Stranger Things before we came on. It's exactly, sort of, Stranger Sort of Things. like in the same vein as that, or like uh, old Spielberg stuff. So that's, uh, that's what I'm trying to finish up now. I'm balancing that with uh, work, and yeah. I think that what I love about Austin is that Austin is the, he's kind of like the one to always address but very subtly and nonchalantly, like the elephant in the room, especially when it's involving like stuff concerning the black community. He's very vocal on social media and, and if you when you meet him in person and he's always down to have those conversations and I think that's just a, a great thing that you have. Very very like sophisticated to it and you're not someone to try to downplay someone. And I like that you can actually have a conversation with someone and enlighten them in a way. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, these are important discussions to have and I feel like so many of the problems that relate to that are because people are scared to talk about it and I feel like you just have to just do it and make people comfortable or I mean honestly I feel like making people uncomfortable is kind of part of it's, it we make them yeah. get used yep. to it I definitely agree I was reading the overview for Jordan Presents and I was like so in love because I'm like damn like I felt like that was me at a point like you know those you never want to be the one to have those conversations less had but then you come to a place where you realize like they're necessary, you know, like, somebody has to break the ice, it has to be done, mm-hmm. otherwise no one will become educated. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, I showed that movie uh, a couple of places, and I've had people talk to me about how they identify, and I mean, basically, uh, just like a quick background on me, I grew up in a town that was predominantly black, but then I went to private school, and it was like all white kids, and so I grew up kind of like jumping between these two worlds, and like people on both sides would sort of be like, uh, you know, at, like, at home it's like, why are you acting white? And then at school it's like, I'm the one kid who's not white. So it's like, uh, this, this weird nether, nether, I don't know, nether world that I'm like, in and... You're in your own uh, stranger things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the upside down. Um, and uh, it was like, I mean, it was definitely tough when I was younger, because I didn't really know how to, like, to deal with it, uh, but then, you know, I grew up watching a lot of comedies, and, uh, even shows like, uh, I think 30 Rock and The Office, they both have episodes that talk about race, and they sort of really dive into that awkwardness, I don't know if you guys have seen, mm-hmm. uh, the episode of The Office with Diversity Day, um, <laughs> where, so um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's, yeah, I mean, the, just, the, just the way they sort of discuss how, mm-hmm. you know, awkward it can be, and I think there's, it's just like, there's so much room for comedy, and I mean, so, the basic summary of that movie is, I'm this character, Jordan, and he is really uncomfortable talking about race, and it's, I mean, it's sort of based on how I was in high school, where I felt like the best way to deal with the situation of being one of the only black kids in the school was just not to talk about it, just to, like, pretend that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of based on my old attitude. And uh, he sort of likes this girl who's the president of the BSU at this college. And his roommate, Charlie, is someone who's very into racial issues. Like, he's part of the BSU, all that stuff. He tells him that this girl only likes guys who are 
like really black, or like you're not black enough for this. And so then it launches him into this whole really misguided attempt to like quote unquote get blacker. Um, and in the end, the girl has to tell him that you need to figure out on your own like what percentage of your identity is based on race and what is you know yourself. And I feel like right. it's important to balance. You know, like I think my old attitude was definitely wrong because just not discussing it is not the way to deal with mm-hmm. those issues. Right. It's like kind of too late for that. Um, but you know, I think it's important to define yourself on your own, but also be aware of who you are and your culture, and just make sure, like, find your place in that. I think that's yeah. what I was trying to figure out myself when I was making that. I think that it was very bold of you to create something that kind of revealed a part of yourself, and especially who you used to be. And a lot of the times, a lot of people will, I guess, pass it on to someone else to act it out or subliminally <laughs> throw it in there. You, like, put yourself, like, no, this is me. I'm yeah. the main character of this production. <laughs> it was just like... This is what it is. You kind of expose yourself in a yeah. way, right? Yeah, it was it was uh, scary, honestly. Um, I was, you know, like thinking about. I knew I wanted to make. I, I actually I didn't know like what kind of film I wanted to make, mm-hmm. and before that, I had made a lot of sort of like I really like Alfred Hitchcock. So I made a lot of movies that I was trying to base on his style of like thrillers or like yes. sci-fi stuff which I'm still into um, but I realized that I was kind of like hiding from stuff that made me feel vulnerable and mm-hmm. and NYU they really try to stress that you should try and make stuff that like that is vulnerable and so uh, I was just thinking like what's something that I'm sort of like uncomfortable talking about and I realized that like even though like Danny said I, I do feel comfortable addressing race in like a big sort of platform in terms of like police brutality and uh, and all those sorts of issues. I realized that I wasn't talking about like my own like mm-hmm. personal journey and so I realized I wanted to do this and I was writing it and then I was like I, I kind of want to play this main character and I like I'd done school plays and I'd done You had your Issa moment. Yeah exactly. You had your Issa moment. <laughs> I, and I did honestly uh I used to intern at Three Arts and they uh, rep Issa Rae and Ooh, look at that. that was back when she was Hit up Austin for a job. <laughs> <laughs> that was back when she was trying to make Insecure. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading an article about her, like, struggles with trying to get that made. And so I was like, yeah, this, this she's like a cool role model uh, to have. And, and yeah, I'd never acted on camera before. And I was really worried about mm-hmm. how the crew would react or how, like, my the people I'd asked to be involved would mm-hmm. respond to me saying that I want to try and direct this and be in it, which is it's hard enough to direct something at like the student film stage because we have no budget and we have no time and it's I can't like stop and like watch no budget and no time (laughs) nothing you literally nothing nothing when you're you're doing that's life no budget no time (laughs) but um but I have really really great supportive friends who like I nervously sort of said like I like I like I explained the idea of like the movie mm-hmm. and they're like oh it's cool it's cool and I'm just like and I want to be in it it's like really quickly <laughs> and and then like I guess the two friends I told first my producer Danielle and my other friend Kendra who's an actress who actually ended up coaching me sort of like off off camera okay. they both said that they would help me do it and so I was like yeah I can I can handle this and I'm really glad I did it was terrifying to deal with those sort of issues but I'm like I felt good putting it out there and like saying, like, yeah, this is stuff that I grapple with, but... First time acting? First time acting on camera. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's, like, I'm not I'm not pretending that it was a big, like, impressive performance. I'm just, like, I'm playing myself, basically, mm-hmm. so so that mm-hmm. part wasn't difficult. Uh, and I also, like, there's so many other great people in that movie. I mean, I have uh, the guy who plays my boss, Luke Wainer. He, he was good. Yeah, he's, like, this 
like I'm sure like I you guys. I you guys, yeah, the fruit. Yeah, 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 you guys have met those like those white people who like mean really well, but like they just always say the, 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 the wrong so thing. Wrong. And so like he's he's this guy who's really into making sure the office is like PC and no one says anything that's bad. But that's like again, that's like like almost uh, an extension of my attitude back then, like not discussing these things. But like he, yeah, and I mean, there's so much like and, uh, pretty much everything he said in that movie, like someone has said to me or like some variation of, of that. So I mean, I feel like it, the. the the script sort of wrote itself, which, which, uh, But that was what I wanted to ask you. How did you prepare to go back there? Like, having become a different person, like, what did it take for you to say, you know what, I could do this? Like, um, I feel like it's easier for me to play someone who I feel like is wrong, if that makes sense. Like, uh, I feel like that, that character has so many, like, like a, a, an expanded version of so many of my insecurities, I mean, he's, like, just, like, his, his roommate Charlie is really just, like, beating up on him and, like, taking advantage mm-hmm. of him and all this stuff, right. uh, and so, I don't know, I just, I think, I just, I just really feel personally that it's important to discuss those issues, and so I kind of wanted to play someone who didn't feel that way, right. so I feel like that's a good way to just, like, sort of illustrate the, the problems with it, and I mean... Clearly, you know, his boss is saying all this stuff to him that you you need to, like, tell him, like, okay, you shouldn't say that, right, but, right. like, he's letting it happen. So I think it's, like, you know, I think it's sort of funny to, to see it happen from a character uh, who doesn't, isn't really equipped to do exactly. that. Yeah. I think that approach is, it works really well, especially us as people, is that we're quick to point out when something's not right or when something's mm-hmm. wrong. So right. when you're actually watching someone do something, you go, why is he not doing that? Why is he not speaking up? And it kind of brings up all these things that are, that are actually wrong. So... You're what you intended for playing someone who you're not anymore, and being that person, you know, was a was a good way for people to realize also the issues that are that are around and stuff that we should speak about. It kind of makes you self reflect when you're watching it in front of your face. Yeah, yeah. he's so quick to judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I feel like uh, what what I like about how that ended up too. I mean, so the uh, Duran. Uh, he's the guy who played Charlie mm-hmm. and Aaliyah uh, played Willa. They're both so great. I mean, I Aaliyah I'd known for a while. Duran, he, he actually, so I posted the casting on Backstage, which is like, you know, the website where you can mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. Uh, people yeah. to, talk, to read mm-hmm. for you. And he didn't actually, he isn't paying for a Backstage account, but he can like read the listings. Mm-hmm. And he found me on Facebook and like messaged me and I was like, okay, who's this like random person <laughs> but also I didn't I didn't know anyone who could play Charlie because we had auditions and like for whatever reason it's like uh, maybe maybe like black teenage guys aren't like signed up for these websites or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is but like the the people who are coming in were like this guy came in who was like 30 and like 7 feet tall and it's like okay we can't he be college roommates <laughs> like, that's not like, I wonder. I, I mean, think that's big though. I always do this whenever my friends who are actors or actresses. I send them stuff because I feel like their agents don't do really anything for them. I go, you have one, and I feel like I'm always sending you stuff. Like, where's the publicity? Who can? There's tons of people out here who want to act. Yeah, I know. Right? That's that's. It's like really sad. I mean, I uh, and the same thing actually happened for my uh, most recent film. Uh, again, it's like there weren't a lot of people coming through the you know like the main channels like backstage, but then. Uh, Kendra, the same girl who helped me, like, coach me off of uh, Jordan Presents, she's mm-hmm. my casting director, and she uh, met Devin, who plays the main character, and he mm-hmm. just happened to be in her gen ed, and he kind of looked like the right part, and she asked him, you're an actor, and he was, and like, and he's amazing, he's so good, 
And she actually is trying to coach him about like what he has, like where he needs to post his mm-hmm. headshot and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what the issues with that. But anyway, so I was saying that uh, Duran, Ali, and I, we sat down, and we talked about like the themes of the movie and basically how I was trying to say in terms of identity and being black, like how people, uh, how people deal with that. And I feel like there's sort of two opposite ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and that's who Jordan and Charlie were, where. Jordan, it's like zero percent. Like he doesn't even want to think about it. And then Charlie right. is like entirely defined by it. You're gonna come to a rap battle? Yeah, yeah. Like he, <laughs> that was like. And it's like he also, and he has to like he has to make Jordan feel like he's not black enough in order to sort of like uh, mm-hmm. make himself feel better about his identity. And I felt like those are those are two sort of different ways of dealing with that same issue. And then Willow's kind of in the middle, and I feel like that's sort of. Uh, I feel like she was very neutral and I liked her presence, even mm-hmm. though, um, what is it, Charlie? Yeah. Charlie was um, saying, oh, she likes to be real black man, you know, yeah. I gotta be real black. But when you when you meet her character, she's very like, she's like Shay. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she's really like, like, you know, she's just that girl around the way, like, she's there, like, she's chilling, like, she, her ears though because the way she even approached um, Jordan in the film while he was doing his project diversity thing <laughs> it was really calm you know and I yeah. feel like uh, who she was was very calm very neutral like she just knew who she was yeah exactly and I feel like Charlie misinterpreted what she's looking for in someone I think she just wanted someone who's confident in like right. in being themselves who they are yeah, yeah exactly that's what woman wants <laughs> right just be confident in who you are <laughs> We don't care about bottle service. <laughs> exactly. Pieces don't have to be hit. <laughs> no, but that's cool. I'm glad that, you know, you was able to expose your own vulnerabilities through being artistic. What kind of made you um, want to be a filmmaker and want to even study this, like picking this major in college? Because, you know, they say the average college student changes their major two to three times. That's <laughs> me. <laughs> um. That's, uh, I don't, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, I had always sort of liked playing around with cameras. My mom used to always sort of film our vacations, and I used to sort of take the camera and borrow it. I think we went to Disney World when I was in, like, fourth grade, and they got me a video camera, and I made this whole documentary about our trip, and I used to make a TV show with my brother and our stuffed animals. Like, we had, like... No, oh, this is... This is this so, is like, nice. we... It was a TV show, and then I had a microphone, and I would play, like, Disney Channel, and I would record <laughs> their recorded laughter, and then, like, stitch it into our TV show. Like, it's a very complicated way. <laughs> so, did you do the Disney thing with the... He's really innovative. Outlining the, this the, is the Mickey Mouse oh head? You know did. everyone did that? I was, yeah, everyone... Were you tracing that? <laughs> I always wanted to. I told I told my parents I was like, I think that I need to like try out for Disney Channel. I think I'm ready. Like I did, you know, like these middle school plays. I'm like ready for this, and they're like, no, like we we live in New Jersey. We're nowhere. Like that's not. You're not doing that. Um, that's funny. And then weirdly enough, I'm like wrapped around back to acting again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I I like that a lot, and then. My uh, mom, especially, is like a big sort of like film buff, and she always really enjoyed okay. movies. And she would show me, uh, you know, Indiana Jones and uh, mm-hmm. Jaws, and sort of those like classic movies. Yeah. Uh, for Easter one year, oh, God, have you guys seen the Ten Commandments? The, like the old. 
Oh my God! It's, it's, every Easter on TV, they play all the Jesus stories and the Ten Commandments. Oh Passion of Christ. You get every Jesus story. The Ten Commandments is, is like five hours long. It's like did it play his own thing? Yeah, and my mom was like, "Okay, you, we're like we're all gonna like as a family, like she forced us all to sit there and watch it." Oh, and that's it's like, like us with roots. Uh, <laughs> yeah, roots what? too. <laughs> Ten Commandments, roots, and um, it gotta be something else. And Selena. Anything for Selena. Thanks. <laughs> 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 is, is Selena like required? Is that required? My mother, guys, this was blockbuster when you really went up to pick up the tape. My mom got, I remember it was, when, the movie came out in 1994, 96. Yo. I remember my mom bringing the tape home and I was convinced J-Lo was Selena. Every time I saw J-Lo, I'm like, mom, Selena is not I'm dead. Sorry. She goes, honey, she's still dead. That's an actress. That's Jennifer. I'm like, I just saw Selena on the makeup commercial. <laughs> That's my first memories of Jennifer Lopez and Selena. And it's literally like, she picked up the same blockbuster, we watched it. It's became a family thing. That's awesome, though, honestly. <laughs> the turkey, no, yeah, it's a, that's not a family I'm, thing. That's I'm just very horrible. Catholic, okay? Like, my, well, growing up, my parents have let us be who we are, but. Jesus story, you know, we pray by the rosary, Easter, five hour mass. <laughs> but that's that's cool. Like the that's really dope though, because I think you mentioned two things. Um, you mentioned upbringing, like mm -hmm. your mom, you know, influence. Mm -hmm. You had that influence all around you, mm -hmm. and then I also think that you kind of discovered your purpose really early, right. and that is a blessing. <laughs> That, let me tell you. Hallelujah. That's the Ten Commandments. That's the Ten Commandments, Brian. Because, you know, you have people that are just figuring it out, have no idea, you know, in which direction they're going to go. So I think to have known since, you know, you went to Disney and you felt inclined to do this documentary and all of that, I think that that's really dope. Mm -hmm. So. Shay, what else was you forced to watch? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was forced to watch Roots. Um, <laughs> I was forced to watch. Um, I wouldn't say forced, but something that we all watched in my family, Dancehall Queen. Um, <laughs> other than that, that's really it. Like, you know, Temptations. Yeah, Temptations. The, the Michael Jackson like a, biopic. Yeah. Personal like, That was Michael Jackson too. Yeah, she wanted to play it all the time. And I was like, isn't that Michael? <laughs> but yeah, that was like required viewing. Um, yeah. And I was young with Roots too. And my grandfather was like, listen, all right? Everybody going to sit in this living room and y'all going to watch this. So, it was cool. The influence that our families bring us in sort of how it shapes us and, and kind of in a way I'm glad like I was forced to watch a lot of these things. Not even, it wasn't really forced, it was more of like, well you're going to watch it and you're going to understand it because it was something worth right. understanding whether it's classic films or whether it's cultural films and understanding that as we get older we realize it plays a, a bigger role in, in our everyday lives and, and stuff to know so yeah. it's cool how you can you connected and even say how you connect stuff with your own personal stuff and myself mm -hmm. like we don't realize ourselves and something. I don't think that there was ever a forced lesson to take from it it was like right. you'll take what you take from it and you'll develop your own theory behind it and exactly. you know it will somehow help you and so I think that even in us having to watch these pieces or whatever we still had a freedom. There was still a freedom yeah. to it. Yeah. You know, you know what's crazy? Just going to Roots, I remember 
sitting there and I'm watching it and I was just so confused that all of this happened and no one did anything because you know the generational thing so I'm like no one can do that like why did people think that was okay it doesn't matter what generation it was and I was just so I didn't understand how could all of this happen and I think that was what I kept thinking the whole time because I was so emotionally involved yes. to the point where I just had all these questions like this doesn't make sense this doesn't make sense so many life questions like, it just doesn't make sense. My dad, like, he's not the one to watch a lot of aggressively, you know, violent films concerning race because it makes him very angry. But to know that he's even watched Roots, like, a lot of the important cultural films in our society, he's even watched them. And even though it makes him very emotionally tied, it's because even him being a grown man, he still doesn't even understand just how this happened. Like, mm-hmm. no one, you know, people in our communities just will never understand, you know? Right. It's constantly affected by it. Yeah, it's so rough. Um, I, yeah, it's really interesting you talk about uh, like your dad being angry. I feel like I, I also even being young, I have like such a visceral reaction to some of that mm-hmm. stuff. Just like I think, I think maybe partially it's because you know, obviously we're all born in like a much more tolerant time, not perfect, but um, yeah. Uh, but then uh, I remember when. The help came out. We my like so that my so good. my family yeah it's it's a good movie and my um so my family uh, my great grandmother passed away like last year and uh, we used to always go to her house for like all the family gatherings mm-hmm. and she's sort of like the matriarch and she used to be a maid because that's sort of like wow. what like wow. that's like what you could do and my mom so yeah my mom is her granddaughter my mom has memories of going with her to these like big houses and like the like the rich families would let my mom play with the kids toys wow. while my great grandma cleaned the house and so watching so seeing that movie and it's like my great grandmother my grandmother my great aunt like all these people who really grew up while this was all happening like yeah. sort of it's kind of tough honestly watching them watch this movie and knowing that they actually lived through that time mm-hmm. and I feel like it's so important uh you know, to, to have films like that that uh, show that perspective, and I feel like that's sort of part of what else I want to do eventually. If you know, if I get to continue making movies, is sort of talk, like add more perspectives to the mix. I think Definitely. because um, I mean, we talked about Ruth, you mentioned Selena. I feel like there are certain important films to different cultures, and I feel like I feel like there aren't enough though. I feel like there needs to be more. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I forgot would that ever be enough. I forgot one, and you didn't remind me, and that's crazy. Cool running. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Cool running. We with had the bob with the bobsled. Yes. yes, we I had to ready. watch Cool Runnings. Yeah, like, cool Runnings. If Cool Runnings didn't give you drive, no. Like <laughs> if it didn't reveal your drive to you, like there's something wrong. Yeah, Cool Runnings. Yeah, no, that. Yeah, that's from. Oh my God, I watched that from so many times with my mom. And you know that was the theme of my ski trip last yes. year. Yes. <laughs> Bright color, cool running vibes. We definitely were snow to it, galactic snow to it. Right. All the crazy lights, like ah, what was that? Like twelve times going down. The whole toes were frozen. We didn't have toes. Toes were ice cold. But just seeing how you know all of these motion pictures and how they influence our lives and they're a part of representation. And you know, being a creative person, you get to, you know, although it's only one foot and you have many more steps to make, you get to really help and have the next generation go, 
I watched this movie as a kid and this influenced me and we get to add more of that to right. the, to our culture because mm-hmm. it's like a it's a documentation it's a historical you know paper trail in a way yeah because the textbooks don't really do us justice data never dies data never dies data never dies <laughs> that's the brand <laughs> yeah I feel like it's it's just so like yeah for for kids to be able to sort of see themselves and have role models and I mean I think so I mean like one thing that I uh, I definitely believe that in order to sort of improve the media landscape for people of color, I feel like it has to be attacked from two angles. I feel like on one hand, there needs to be movies that are about, like, sort of explicitly about race that are from the perspectives of people of color. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. the help is, is great, but also at the same time, it's from a white person's perspective. That's and exactly, it's like, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, all these other, the Viola Davis, Antonia Spencer, they're sort of like side characters honestly mm-hmm. um, and they're you know Emma Stone is, is writing about them but it's like it's Emma Stone's story um, isn't that the issue with having supporting and um, leading actresses of the, the women of color that constantly win the supporting role but never the leading yeah it's it's a struggle it's 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 yeah it's still Halle Berry's the only uh, black woman to win best lead actress and I think and the only, is she the only woman of color to win? I feel like right. she might be yes it's, it's, uh, and, and I mean, like, don't even get me started, I, like, when Hidden Figures came out, I did some research into it, and Octavia Spencer is the first woman of color, or at least, at least black woman, uh, to get nominated for an Oscar for playing somebody who went to college. It's like, so, it's, cause, you know, it's like slaves and maids, right. and like, uh, and, and, and the tough thing is that, you know, like these, I'm not saying that these are bad movies that people are winning Oscars for, yeah. but it's just, it, you know, you're seeing sort of the same types of portrayals over and over again, and I feel like people who, you know, if you go if you go to the middle of America where there aren't many black people, and the only black people that people see are in Precious or in whatever, it's like, They're gonna assume then that, that's all, yes, yeah. That depiction is valid, like, yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that's it, and I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's very frustrating, and I think, uh, you know, I think so. Moonlight to me is a really good example of a movie that me and Dre watched Moonlight, and I didn't tell him what it was about. I just said we're watching Moonlight, yeah. and you can't just, tell him what it's but about. Just, but just <laughs> honestly, because what would me and Dre do, and I think what I do with my family, because yeah. I'm the wild card. Aside from Johnny, Johnny's very more of like rock star, alternative hip hop. I'm more of like anything by all means necessary. You're mm-hmm. probably gonna end up watching with me, mm-hmm. and I knew Moonlight was gonna be a little like. Because let's be honest, it's a stigma between um, homosexuality mm-hmm. and the black community, yeah. and also in Latino communities that those cross. There, they don't really ever discuss it because it's something that just doesn't get talked about. Yeah. So I knew that Moonlight had a special thing about it, and I wanted to, to have him do an unbiased thing. And he watched the whole thing, and he was like, "Wow, that was a different perspective." And mm-hmm. it was just you know me as another person going, "Look, I'm opening those." Yeah. Things. <laughs> but um, continue talking about Moonlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly that, and I think. Uh, it's yeah, it's great because it tackles that issue, and it's also on the surface you could say it's like stereotypical characters because you have you know the crackhead mom, you yeah. have mm-hmm. these people living in poverty, uh, you know like there's a lot of like violence and stuff, but it's so deep because uh, you know Barry Jenkins is sort of based on him uh, and oh god the, the other writer's name's escaping me, but it's 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 very personal yeah and. And you can tell it's personal, and you can tell that the character relationships have been really thought out, and it's not condescending, I think, is the most important thing. It's really, like, mm-hmm. he, yeah. 
uh, and that's how I was reading, like, uh, Naomi Harris, that's how they got her to play this part, because she had sort of said, once she was able to choose roles, that, that she didn't want to play any stereotypical black roles, but, right. but they explained to her, this is based on my mom, and I'm, I'm trying to really show a deep character, and it's, it's so narrative. heartbreaking, it's not, and it's not just, look at that black woman who's, like, you know, addicted yeah. to crack, it's, it's really, it's, it's depressing, and, and, uh, just you know, it, investigating that relationship between uh, Mahershala's character mm-hmm. uh, and Little, and how he's taking care of him, but also he, he's selling his mom drugs yeah. and he has to get out his living. And I just like I, re- I really like that movie and the way they dealt with that. And I think we need more films like that. And I think if you're making movies like that, where uh, you know you actually care about the characters, that's one thing. As opposed to, I feel like when you have writers and directors who aren't black, who kind of say, oh, this is how I assume black people are. Let's mm-hmm. write this story about, like, the inner city and, like, and just, like, violence and, like... Let's that's, get in there. It's just, like, not, like, it, you don't care. I feel like you need to... If you're going to write a story like that, you need to actually go and talk to people who mm-hmm. live those Their lives research. and actually... Yeah, do research. Because I think, I think that's where the problem is, where people assume that they sort of know everything. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that people shouldn't write beyond... Uh, their own lives, but I think if you're going to do that, you shouldn't be arrogant and assume that you know everything already. That's where stereotypes come from. I feel like you need to actually take time to explore, and I feel like Moonlight's a great example of, you know, how, like, I'm not saying that we should only have movies about rich black people who are perfectly educated and whatever, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that you should actually care about characters who are going to do that. When I was explaining to my dad, my dad was going to watch Moonlight. And I was just like, oh, I'll go watch it with you because I already saw it already. I said, but I'm going to give you a heads up because I have to give him a heads up with certain things that go. It's, it's probably not what you're making it out to be because the trailers and commercials don't do it justice. Mm-hmm. I said, so it's, it's a bit more. He goes, what do you mean? Is the thing of what you, if it's, do you, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, you mean, it's what you're trying to say. So I'm like, just watch it. Like, have an open mind. So I believe he watched it, but it was also just like, but I don't understand. Like, why would they do a movie like that? I go, well, a movie like that needs to be made because there's people out there who can relate to it, but it also goes to show why are we questioning why would they make a movie like that? Why are there not enough movies for multiple people to relate to? Right, that's somebody's story. Yeah, like it's somebody's story, a part of, you know, this community, and I think we question always why would someone do this, like, you know, like limiting it when it's already limited. Why are they not enough? Right. And what I love the most about Moonlight is that cinematically and the colors... So, they so were glowing, oh gorgeous. I was literally like, oh my God, look at this lighting. Like, talk about the blue undertones and the yellow and bringing out the renaissance and showing and like, black people in different even lighting. in the beginning, like, it was so quiet. Like, mm-hmm. for so long, it was so quiet. As the story progresses, you hear more and you get, you know, you get more from it. And mm-hmm. I just felt like it was so well thought out. Like, mm-hmm. just different, you know, different just different narratives and really diving into, although they were um, stereotypical characters, but just, you know, just showing still a bit of a variety and also playing with the stereotypes Mm -hmm. on how they are gay drug dealers or gender non-conforming or pansexual drug dealers. We just don't know them yet. There are so many different kinds of drug dealers. It's about time that we talked about all of them. Exactly. Um, Like, your drug dealer could be like, who knows? And, uh, yeah, and, and, and what you said about the movie being beautiful, I feel like it's it's like about time that you have a movie that has an you know, entirely black cast that it's so pretty. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, and, and especially what you said about their skin, because 
Um, I don't know if Glowing, there's... Glowing, baby. That was the idea of Moonlight. Yeah. Like, when I yeah. saw that blue, I was like, yes! Because <laughs> when I shot, um, I had to do a short film, and it was like so last minute. And um, with our friend, um, Kirsten, she's an actress. And I think the girl I was supposed to use, some, whatever, it was so last minute, I couldn't use the cast. So I ended up using my brother's friends because they was already over the house. And I told them, I said, y'all need to come now because you're already here. I need y'all. And I said, Kirsten, I need you last minute to come. And she has like this um, like brown skin, but it's not red. So I struggled with, because I've never really shot like black people with, I always played around with photography and film because most of my family, like they're different colors, but I've never really put too much thought until I took those um, film classes and cinematography and started playing with them. So she was like my test dummy at the moment. So I was like, blue, you had a, she had a blue outfit on. I said, I want to play with blue. And I kept putting her in different shades of blue and lights and I finally found the right blue and I go, and you're just one person. Imagine all the different shades of people who are like all these different colors and me understanding as, you know, what people look good in. Cause I know I'm not gonna look good in a blue light, I will look good in, you know, a different color light. And just playing around with that and having fun, I was like, girl, you're glowing. So when I especially watching Moonlight and I just saw the colors that they played, I was obsessed. So now I'm like so anal when I see light. I'm like, no, you got to really make them look, don't make them look oversaturated or, mm-hmm. or dry or like, de- like, you know, they just look so flat. Now I'm very like so into it yeah. and it's really bad. But when I see a film that gives, you know, people of color good light, I'm like, go ahead with your, <laughs> with your planning. Go ahead. Yeah, it's I love important. that. Um, and I mean, film, you, you can like look at the history and see that film, like literally like the physical film was always sort of made for white people. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I, yeah, there's a video online that talks about how Kodak would test film on or like these like white female models. And that's how you would sort of determine mm-hmm. uh, if the coloring was right. And so uh, it, it, like, it wasn't good for, for capturing black skin tone. Mm-hmm. And literally the only reason that they ended up changing it is because furniture designers didn't like how their wood looked because you couldn't capture different shades of wood so that was more important than different shades of actual people people who are living so that's that's fun um and but yeah it's such a beautiful film and i feel like uh i was just i saw um vertigo uh, on Halloween in theaters, and Vertigo is a really, really beautiful uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie. Mm-hmm. And love Hitchcock. And again, that's another. You movie like that. Vertigo? Can I tell you, Vertigo is not one of my faves. <laughs> Vertigo. Okay, I was telling yeah. my friend. So okay, I'm gonna be honest. I fell asleep twice. I was tired. Exactly. Was, there you go. We got the truth out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alfred. Um, I, okay, what I will say. What I will say. I saw it for the first time in high school and uh-huh. really, really didn't like it because like it's it's so slow and like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then. I read there's actually there's a Spark Notes page for like the the themes and, and mm. motifs and stuff of Vertigo. Mm. So I saw that. Read some of that for his cut yeah. I didn't yeah. see Vertigo. So I saw that and read that and I was like, okay, maybe I'll watch it again. And I watched it again. And actually, when I like had those notes, mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, now I see what he's doing. Because I kind of thought it was just like melodramatic. But then I watched it again in theaters, and I was like, okay, this is slower than I thought and I remembered. Um, but it's it's still a really really beautiful movie, just mm-hmm. the way it's shot and. The color green is important thematically, and yeah. mm-hmm. there's, uh, you know, this this famous shot where Kim Novak steps out of this the door of the hotel room. Put up the movies. <laughs> I'm like, I like that one. I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> um, she steps out of the hotel room, and she's sort of bathed in this green light because green sort of represents uncanniness and, and all this stuff. And it's this really mm-hmm. really beautiful shot. And I'm just thinking about how, for so many years, 
black people, people of color in general, were just blocked out of being involved in beautiful cinematic moments like that. And if you were to look at the top ten most cinematic shots of all time or whatever, you wouldn't see any people of color because they just weren't allowed to be in it. And so it's like, it's time for more movies like Moonlight that you can say this really, really beautiful, like, you know, the shot of him in the ocean, you know, the famous one. It's like, that's going to be on that list now. It's great. And now, like, little black kids uh, can see them, you know, it's like, oh, like, look, I can be part of this. Or, um, and again, just representation, even Star Wars with with, uh, John Boyega. It's like, Mm -hmm. finally, uh, again, it's like little black kids. Uh, And I mean, you know, Halloween just passed. I mean, I don't know if you ever had this issue or you... But, you know, I would always be thinking about what I was going to dress up as for Halloween, but then part of me would always be like, oh, this is weird that I'm Spider-Man, because, like, he's not black, or, you know, Peter Parker. So. Yeah, I think, um, dating, I think me actually dating a black man, he helped me put in perspective all the things I didn't notice, so it's not like I I really thought about it, and him going, the other day when Dre was like, I'm looking for quotes, but quotes that, you know, kind of relate to black men, mm-hmm. and I go, I never really thought about that, and how you need to feel more interconnected, and you need to kind of see that, mm-hmm. and me putting in perspective, like, when the last Puerto Rican quote I, I thought about, yeah. or in general, just stuff like that you kind of don't think, and you thought about that at a young age, it's Mm-hmm. It's crazy, though. It's a, yeah, it's just sort of sad, honestly. And I think that's part of where mm-hmm. my old attitude about race in terms of just not addressing it yeah. sort of came in because mm-hmm. I don't want to think about the fact that, uh, you know, if I'm, like, the Joker or something, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. but this is, like, sort of weird. Or, like, what if someone, like, makes a joke about, you know, like... Yeah, it's just, like, it's, it's so... It's um, So I think it's so important just for people to be able to sort of see themselves and... Everybody can't be Black Panther. Yeah, okay. I know, exactly. Um, oh, my God, that trailer, I... It's so my family when we were in the theater for I think we saw we saw Marshall and that mm-hmm. trailer came on and like my entire family was like what and like we're not even that into Marvel movies but they're just like mm-hmm. I think that just seeing what I, what I love so much about that and I'm not like, like I'm not a huge huge Marvel fan but I like that they're depicting Africa in this like beautiful modern way because I feel like so much of what you see of Africa people just assume that the entire place is like horrible yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um I think it's so important just that's you know that's like pyramids like you know that's like girl yeah like you. what was you for Halloween (laughs) speaking home for Halloween (laughs) (laughs) she was she so she was saying is that she was home alone like she was literally (laughs) acting in the role in home anyone who opened a door she said Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> right? Saying, right? Well. But, nah, I was home. I didn't dress up this year. Um, you know, I dressed up for my theme parties. I dressed up last year. That counts. What was, was last year? I was Little Kim last year. The year before that, I was, um, no, actually, last year, I was Little Kim. I dressed up twice last year, so Ooh. I made up for this year. Oh, she dressed up twice. She didn't have to dress this year. <laughs> Last year, I was Dion from Clueless one day, and Bye. the next day, I was Little Kim. So, that's the fights for this year. I dressed up this year. I was Little Kim. <laughs> I was... Beyonce body Little Kim, by the way. No, she and she did multiple looks. Looks. She didn't just do one. She was And like, the rare here. ones, not even mm-hmm. the ones that, you know, With people the always Chanel do. the suspenders. Go ahead, girl, with your bed, so... Killed that. I'm so here for Beyonce baby weight. Like, I love it. I love when I see... Victims come out. I'm here for the black hair. <laughs> yes, Beyonce black hair really looks good on mm-hmm. Brings out her face features a lot. I was Selena, y'all. It was last minute. I was supposed to be a Spice Girl. 
then one of the Spice Girls dropped out. So you can't be four Spice Girls. Then it's really going to look bad. <laughs> so everybody went indie. So yeah, so pretty much it was supposed to be villains, but... From what the outfit I had, I had, and it was so last minute, what was I going to be? A villain who wore leather? I looked crazy. <laughs> so I was just like, I could put my hair back in a bun and be Selena. So I went to MAC. I said, what was the lipstick that, oh, this from the Selena collection? They said, well, that was limited. So we can give you the actual lipstick we put on J-Lo. Mm-hmm. So they told me which one they, they put on her makeup artist, but that's the one I put. That's cool. So that was kind of fun. I was dumb hype. I'm like, yo, J-Lo, what is this movie? <laughs> but, um... That and then for work, I was a hippie, real, you know, calm. you know, real calm. People was like, "You look like you can actually wear this." Almost regular, right? Almost casual. It was all in the sunglasses. I'm telling you, it was all in the sunglasses. But it was cool. Like I, I like when work people kind of show a different side. They can kind of tone it down a little bit and be like, you know what? Let's just play it into it a little bit because people have kids and you know the kids get so excited that you gotta be at least you have to have some type of spontaneous, you know, bone inside of you to be like, all right, I'm gonna put like a headband on. It was cool. A lot of people dressed up. That was fun. And I ate way too much candy. Like, I don't want to eat no more candy for a while. Like, I can't. I, mean, I don't want to see m and I don't want to see Starburst. I don't want to see Reese's Pieces. I'm good off of all of that. I'm really good. But I'm excited for Thanksgiving. Mm. Excited. So excited. Excited. You didn't dress up for Halloween or something? No, I didn't. <laughs> I... Yeah, he like could have been himself from his movie. I mean, you should have. Oh, I should have. That would have been. Huh? People would have been mad if I did that. Like, what are you? People would be like, who do you think Jordan, you are? Jordan prevents <laughs> the, the film that I made. Um, no, I've been, yeah, like, I've been going down. Like, last year, I got a cowboy hat from Dwayne Reed, and I was I was in Westworld, and, like, I've been, I've been bad lately. He's I'm Dwayne just, like, Reed. Literally, like, I, didn't, I was, like, in there for, like, Skittles, and they're like, oh, like, you have a cowboy hat. Like, okay, I'm. I have a plaid shirt already. I like had Tim Tim's. Like that's not even what cowboys wear. But like you know, I kind of had to like feel like a modern Improv. spin. On, like, <laughs> I'm gonna be a cowboy with some Tim's. So that's that was because you've been in New York way too long. It was like in New York, right. like yeah, what's the world? What's with the world by way in New York? Cowboys in New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Like I was a cowboy with Tim's on. <laughs> Shayna, we could be cowboys with Tim's on right. next year. We out here. <laughs> Okay, so I want to talk about um, the work in progress, your up-and-coming film, like the direction that, I guess, are you like halfway through, like what's going on, are you going to take it to some film festivals, are we going to see it, can we get invited for whatever, we're here Oh yeah, you should come. Um, Okay, so I, obviously it's all, I shot it in March, it was, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) <laughs> it was so fun. Basically, the whole movie takes place at night, so we were shooting from 4, a, uh, 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. for the entire week, and we're staying in this Airbnb. It's so much fun. Um, so it's 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 most of the way edited now. Um, I'm sound design to be really important. Uh, it's, it's like I think people sort of underestimate how important sound is to, to a movie. Uh, so There's that's no movie. that's the next film. Yeah, so that's the next step. I, I think tonight, honestly, I'm meeting with. Uh, sound designer to go over things and then mm-hmm. uh so yeah i mean nyu they have this thing called first run film festival which is in april and that's sort of the first place that's the place that i'm guaranteed to show this no matter what oh, that's um and so that'll be the first place then yeah i'm gonna try and submit it places uh you know we'll see what happens uh i'll start with you know the the, the big festivals because you never know uh and then Go all out. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's only you only uh Just go on a bit right and be like, come to Central Park and watch my film. 
You'd be surprised. I'm one of those people. If I see an event, I'm like, yo, y'all trying to go to this free event? They show in like right. Brooklyn and Central Park. Why don't you say else? free day? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You should do it. I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, that's a good idea. I, it, I, mean, I got ideas. I'm his manager. <laughs> <laughs> manager. Can you find me a manager? That'd be that'd be amazing. If I wasn't, honestly, I feel like. What, what I'm doing now, it, it reminds me that I'm actually really good at multitasking, that I probably could have done some type of management. But I think I'm just exploring. The stuff that you explore when you're inside of a job already, you go, I'm mm-hmm. actually really good at this. Like, mm-hmm. should I even try to do this? Boston's mm-hmm. cool, guys. Thank you. Y'all gotta check out his latest when he drops it at these film festivals in Central Park. <laughs> yes, distribution. <laughs> we need it. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so real quick, and Blicky, you could go first. We'll go in order. Top five films of all time. Hmm. <sighs> I don't know. Um, Better figure that shit out. All right, I'm gonna tell y'all my favorite movies. My favorite. All right, so we talked about Hitchcock. The Hitchcock film that got me into Hitchcock was The Birds, only Ooh. because I felt like. He did so much with so little, mm-hmm. like the set, like audio, everything. Like it so was, good. it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, that's one that was for old time sake. Other than that, um, scary movies. I really like scary movies, but um, I don't really find any that I fall so much in love with. But I really liked Insidious. Ooh. Oh yeah, Insidious the first good. one. Um, really liked Insidious. Um, hmm. So we got the birds and Insidious. Mm. What else? You know I'm not a movie person. <laughs> um, but Cool Runnings. Hmm. <laughs> nah, Cool Runnings was a good movie, but I think it was, you know, conceptual opposed to like mm-hmm. what it looked like and stuff like that. Um, hmm. I like John Q a lot. Yo, that is a good one. Um, I was probably more emotionally attached yeah, than emotional. visually. Um, I don't know. Colombiana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love me some stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's it's tough. It's like a tough question. All right, damn. Do I got to wonder the question now? <laughs> <laughs> this is five movies. Um, okay. Uh, I think it's, yeah, I feel like it's, it's sort of always changing. I really like Silence of the Land. Uh, my mommy should try to scare me in my siblings. You know what's that? That movie, yeah, it's just so. I mean, the acting is so good, and it's just like really the way it's constructed is so yeah. thrilling. Um, let's see, The Sixth Sense. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, I love yeah. that movie. It's the just, Sixth Sense is good. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. It's it's a horror movie, but it's also it's so. Uh, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's like, it's it's sad. Like you feel kind of bad for those characters. And, and again, the acting is really good. Uh, E.T. Is, is a favorite of mine. Um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That was the movie that really influenced my uh, thesis film uh, the most. I really like that it's just very optimistic. I feel like so so often when there's movies about aliens, it's always about, like, the world ending, and it's always, it's so negative and scary and stuff, and I like that that's sort of a break from that. Um, maybe, uh, Psycho? Uh, Psycho or Rear Window? 
like, I don't, it's, it's tough for me to choose which is my favorite Hitchcock movie, but, uh, Psycho's more fun to watch, definitely, that's sort of, like, that's, like, the first slasher movie, so it's, like, uh, fun and, and quick and everything, but Rear Window, I feel like the, the construction of that movie is just so good, yeah, and good. it's, it's slow in the beginning, I remember the first time I watched it, I was sort of sitting there, like, okay, like, we get it, like, they're in the apartment, yeah. and they're, but um, by the end, you're just like on the edge of your seat entirely. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, I can I can start off and say Psycho is one of my favorite films, and I think I grew an appreciation for Psycho. I took an actual old hit, um, Hitchcock film class. I wish I had done that. And um, we went through majority, I think majority of all the films that he ever made, and we had to watch them like um, quick, so when I would reflect and watch it on my own and go, I actually like that, let me follow up with that. And mm-hmm. I think Psycho, I, I did um, uh, an analysis comparing the original Psycho and the new Psycho. Oh my God. And it was just horrible. <laughs> and I remember the first Psycho I ever watched was the was the original, but I was so young and I remember the new one, well, not the new one, but the newer version of that coming out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand. I go, oh, this is based on that old movie. Like, I, you know, it's in color, of course, cool. But not until I studied it and go, this is terrible. Right. That the new, the one, the newer version of Psycho is terrible. And then I had this um, deep appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. I love black and white films, but um, so Psycho is one of my favorite. Imitation of Life is another. Um, oh. It's one of my favorite films. And um, I remember I was in high school and we were reading the book The Bluest Eye. Mm-hmm. And um, love Toni Morrison. Right. Oh, Toni Morrison. I love her. She gave me such headaches. That's the reason why I love being a writer. Headaches, 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 everything. Um, And when we were reading the book, we got to a part where um, they were referencing the imitation of life. So our teacher was trying to play us on a low. We had a little shicey-ass AP English lit. She was trying to play us like, oh, we've heard. You probably don't know nothing about this film. And I was like... <laughs> you want me to let you know way. about Imitation of Life? <laughs> Put you on real quick. And I, when I told him, a lot of the other girls in my class were like, "Oh, I would want to watch that, even mm-hmm. though it's an older film." That perspective and connecting it to the book we were mm-hmm. reading was like just great. And I, I think it's a great film, and it kind of does touch on, you know, it touches on race, um, yeah. race, racial issues too. And I watched that at a young age, and that was how me and my mom would bond through old films, especially through that film, and mm-hmm. her letting me know to love myself. And although I may look different, and you know, your cousins may look different, everyone's gonna look different, and that's just the yeah. people we come from. That was my first introduction to understanding that, you know, we can all be blood-related and look different, and that's just how the world is. Don't let people make you feel like that. So, Imitation of Life. Um, just just because I'm obsessed with just cinematically how it is, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, like my, that's like my comfort film when I'm, like, sad and I'm, like, and it's rainy. I eat ice cream and watch Breakfast at Tiffany's. I have it on and my you down DVD. to be emotional, right? <laughs> I have it on Blu-ray, DVD. Like, I have it on everything. <laughs> Um, so, what's my fourth film? Um, fourth, uh, I love Kirkland. Mm-hmm. I love Kirkland. Yes. I really do love Kirkland. I think that cinematically looks good. I love how Spike Lee always mm-hmm. kind of brought out colors with people. It made them look real. Like, mm-hmm. he did do stereotypes. He really did. Like, in um, Do Your Right Thing with Rosie Perez mm-hmm. with the over. Brooklyn, Puerto Rican accent, like, he does <laughs> that, The message but, is always there. Yeah, always a strong message, so Crooklyn is is one of my yeah. faves, too. And I feel like Crooklyn is not promoted as much as his other films, for some reason. No, I don't think it is either. Yeah. I don't think it is either. I feel like Do the Right Thing, always because of Radio Raheem, the whole, I think, yeah, madness scene, mm-hmm. people like yeah. the aggressive part in it, and Crooklyn mm-hmm. never really had, Crooklyn had was that. more... It was more like family. More family, the like, dynamics, mm-hmm. and... 
I loved how they even brought out the culture of the brownstones because who owns brownstones anymore? Like, mm-hmm. people are coming in and I was in an Uber ride two days ago and I was in Philly and the guy was talking about how, um, oh, are you guys visiting? So my boyfriend goes, you know, I'm from here, but she's not. She's from New York. So he goes, my daughter, they're from Philly, just moved out there and they bought a brownstone. So I'm thinking maybe they got, you know, an apartment. No, they done bought out the whole brownstone. I'm like, people who are not even New York natives is buying, like, stuff that is, like, holy grails. And we can't even afford to buy them. But we actually live in the city. And that was something that I love quickly, and it, it reminds me of that old New York feel. Like, mm-hmm. my godmother still has no brownstone, mm-hmm. and she ain't giving it up for nobody. <laughs> Nina, you better not give it up for nobody. You're gonna be highly upset. <laughs> but just bringing that out, and people, I saw people owning stuff, and the bodega is the funniest part, bro. I love my Kirkland. Yeah. And Kirkland. let me see, my last favorite film. What did I recently? Oh, I'm, I really loved, I think I'm just going to add this in, I really loved Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I watched it five times with different people. <laughs> I really did. I did like, it really, I really had a moment, although I feel like, of course, it, it, stuff diversity is always a very important thing for me, because mm-hmm. I don't connect to things if it doesn't look similar to me, unless the writing is so like on point where I forget what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. But I really did um, love Wonder Woman and watching all the women, having a woman director, just all of that, and she wasn't weak. They really did her justice.